Hi, it's uh, Liam Black uh, here again with the third in my series of podcasts coming out of the book that I've written, The uh, Social Entrepreneurs A to Z. And today we're looking at C is for customer. I am joined by Dr. Aravind Srinivasan, uh, who is an eye surgeon and a board member of the phenomenal Indian-based social business, the Aravind Eye Care System, whose mission is to eliminate needless blindness, has been in existence for uh, 40 years, has helped no fewer than 10 million people uh, regain their sight through their network of 11 hospitals, their manufacturing business that makes ocular uh, lenses and controls 10% of the world's market, uh, and runs a cross-subsidy model, uh, which means that people from the middle class uh, uh, pay market rate and uh, people on low income or no income uh, pay $10. Uh, Aravind, you're very welcome to the studio. And Sandra Shembury is the chief encouragement officer of a fabulous uh, recently opened social enterprise in London called the House of St. Barnabas, which is a uh, members club targeted at social entrepreneurs and change makers. And at the heart of that is an apprenticeship in hospitality uh, for London's homeless people. Uh, she has a long, not so long, still quite young, but you have a, an interesting career in hospitality, sponsorship, marketing and fundraising, taking in Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club, Bloomberg and the Royal Academy. So very interesting background, Sandra. Welcome. Uh, so before we jump in and talk about customer, just just tell us who your customer base is. So at the House of St Barnabas, we are a charity and a social business, and we have two very clear customer groups. One is our membership base, so and a growing membership base, so people who are buying into our business and valuing investing there, and also London's homeless, people who have been affected by homelessness in London, who potentially are willing and ready to engage with work again. And you, uh, when you launched, you had a target of 1,500 members in yes. your first year. Did yes. you get that? We did. We, did. we have a lovely waiting list, which is great. Yes. So that's fantastic. We are, interestingly, we've come across a challenge where the... The, we did market research on our other customer base and it was, it was like fantastic, we're going to be inundated. And actually it's been much slower than we expected and we've realised one of the challenges we have to understand is what that customer group actually needs when they're ready, we need to be ready, rather than our intake three times a year isn't actually what our customer needs on that section. And uh, who are your customer base, uh, Aravind? So our customers are people who want good vision. You know, there is a, the whole community wants good vision. Uh, a portion of the community uh, has the money to pay for it and they would come and take the paying care. That's about 40% of our customers. And 60% are people who belong to a subset of the society that they're willing to pay a small amount for their eye surgery, but they are not able to pay the market rate. And there is within that subset, there is also a group where the government subsidizes them with that small amount is they get absolutely free uh, eye care. So these are customers okay um, in the book I talk about uh, a guy who used to work with me who was uh, the logistics manager of a social business that I ran in um, Liverpool um, and he had uh, and I would bring people we had just picture big warehouses lots of vehicles forklift trucks lots of people going around in overalls you know, looking busy and um, being happy under my wonderful tutelage and leadership <laughs> um, and I would bring visitors around and I'd say we you know we're amazing you know we are furnishing the homes of thousands of people we are creating opportunities for hundreds and hundreds of formerly homeless and unemployed people and I'd walk past this guy called Ian Galbraith who was the logistics guy uh, who was your archetypal liverpudlian great sense of humor 
and you know skeptical about everything and he'd stand there and he'd smile and I'd pass by and then I would say goodbye to the guests and he'd come back in and he'd go you keep saying it's brilliant Liam but actually the service is not as good as you think it is and um, uh, uh, he's now he's now sadly uh, died but in his memory I, I have made up in the book the the Galbraith hypothesis uh, which is the degree of confidence in the quality of a service is inversely proportional to your distance from the front line meaning the further you are away from it the more you tend to think it's brilliant and when you get really close to it you go mm, okay not as good as I thought um, so Sandra how do you um, are you, got a, you have a very complex business model you know you have you know, high maintenance Egypts like me coming in through the door <laughs> expecting fantastic service from your wonderful um, uh, staff um, and then you have uh, homeless guys who are, are wanting to change their lives and see you as the vehicle to do that. How do you on a daily basis stay close to those different sorts of customers so you really understand what it is they want and what they need? So I had a uh, slight epiphany about eight months ago when I realised that actually I thought I was and I wasn't. So I was I was actually much further away than I, I wanted to be because I was concentrating on... Um, What's was Lars making the irrelevant relevant? Yes. So I was. Lars I, Colin thank is a, you. A, 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 a fantastic leader in Scandinavia that we both know. Yeah. And making the irrelevant relevant. relevant. And I, I had a, a moment of eek. So and I realised what I had is to do. A technical term. An eek. An, an, an eek. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I realised that I had to get more time into my diary to enable me to actually go and be with both those customer bases and actually with the frontline team who were with those customer bases and actually not just hear what they're saying to me, but see it in action. So I now spend, obviously it's a very difficult job. I spend most um, lunches in the club, you know, having mm. lunch, meeting guests. You're breaking our heart. Arabin is <laughs> crying. It's, it's a, honest, so, someone had to do it. I just yeah. stepped up, you know, yeah. I was there. And, and actually you get to see and sense because they actually forget that you're there. So the members forget you're there. So the members are said, oh, you overhear lots of things. The staff forget you're there. And also the academy participants, the apprentices in the club forget you're there. So you hear a lot and see a lot and you get to see that interchange of actually how the relationships are. So how is the buddy working with the professional on the shop floor? How does that work? Is it there? Are they being treated with respect? Does the respect go both ways? Because sometimes it doesn't go both ways. You might think it's the um, the professional actually being domineering to the participant. Actually, it can be the other way around. So it's interesting to see all that. And it's in that interaction where your mm. model succeeds or yes. fails, doesn't it, Absolutely. for homeless people? Absolutely. They either flick the switch in their head and move from, that's my past, I'm now a hospitality pro. So yeah. it's you can have all the vision you like as the yeah. leader, uh, it's, but it's what happens in the restaurant, in the kitchen, yeah. in the bar. And it's a really constant works. reminder to the club team. So I've got some, some very young staff, 20, 21, 22. They forget sometimes that the power and responsibility and leadership that they have, they think, oh, I'm just I'm just a waiter. It's like, no, 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 you're so much more than that. You are You are the front line of that interaction with my participants and my apprenticeships. And then on the other side... 
again, I thought because I'd gone out and I'd done my market research four years of before and I'd gone out and visited all the charities and I knew what was going on. And actually the sands shift consistently and each individual has their own journey. So I actually now spend more time just sitting there listening in some of the sessions and just seeing seeing what's going on and actually hearing it from them when they're ready to tell me rather than, well, I've got 25 minute gaps. So can you tell me how your life is, please? Yeah. But, but there's always a good reason, isn't there? And a good reason not to spend that time on the front line Always. understanding what the customer Always. wants. Always. I've got a cash flow crisis here. I've got a staff HR thing here. There's always another go, go reason. Go uh, Exactly. I've, I've got to be somewhere yeah. this morning. Yeah, there's, 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 there's so many pulls on your time. And actually what I realised was that actually enough of the hard work, that burning platform wasn't there anymore. So actually I had no excuse. The burning platform has got, it's still in the back of my mind. I can see it in the peripheral vision. But it, Something's no, burning. Yeah, something, something, I can smell something. Um, but actually there is less of a, that that pressure, but also there's a, there's a personal demon there of mine, which is feeding the comfort of, well, I'm being productive, aren't I? Because I'm, I'm producing. So actually having the space and time to realise that productivity isn't necessarily the key to, to my now role. And actually my role is to get in front of those customers and go, you tell me how I, I thought I was listening to the membership. Actually, I wasn't. The, the, the feedback I'm now getting is it's completely different. We also created a problem for ourselves, which you weren't aware of, where we thought well, we've, we've got the charity and we've got a brand for the charity. Then we've got a brand for the club. They sometimes talk, but they're different things. And actually, we're creating two silos, which we shouldn't be. So that's something which the membership have told us loud and clear is we're a member here because of what you do with the charity. Don't keep them separate from us. Engage in both of them. So we've got to kind of throw that idea out the window, which was kind of two years in the making. You go, okay. So, yeah, difficult times. Yeah. Um, um, opportunities to excel. We don't use the phrase difficult oh, times. Thank in, you. In Sorry, I beg your pardon. Uh, opportunities to excel. <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, w w the story that's coming to my mind thinking about that was that w one of the things that uh, I went to Southwest Airlines once in uh, Dallas, uh, which is the sort of original point to point cheap sort of uh, flight and the most successful airline in the world, profitability wise, etc. And they had a program called Walk a Mile, which was if you were above a certain level of seniority uh, in the company, every quarter you had to do certain things. You had to go and be on check-in at a busy airport. You had to go and serve some peanuts and Coca-Cola on the flight to really get a sense of where it really where the pinch points are in the business. An example of the importance of staying close and and seeing what's going on. Aravind, your customers get wheeled into you on a trolley, don't they? Where you've got a mask on and uh, a, a scalpel um, in hand. But how do you, with the millions of customers that have come through your doors, make sure that you are providing them with a service that honours the mission of your organisation? Uh, I think the customer has, uh, invariably the customer looks at the subjective experience. The, uh, the objective of how I'm going to see, if they see well, doesn't matter. So, Close to 100% are going to see well. So it's how we treat them, the dignity that we give. The, uh, are we compassionate towards them? Are, are we treating them differently because somebody pays and someone does not pay? So for us, it's, it's balancing the subjective and the objective constantly and also creating this harmony in the way we work, not to create a chaotic system, not to create a system which is high-strung. Because when you're seeing 2,000 patients in a hospital, it has to be seamless, it has to be harmonious the way you work. And we, we make mistakes. It's not that we don't make mistakes. But how do we look at a mistake? How do we approach that? 
we have learned over a period of time that when there is something that's not ha- happening correctly you don't go to the individual and start shouting or or putting a pointing a finger you look at oh what's that in the physical infrastructure that would have caused that can i do something about it the second thing we ask is can we do something to the system you know if we can undo those two why point a finger at the individual the third thing and probably that's where we realize oh it could be an attitudinal issue but then you do those two things first because if uh, they have a very difficult physical circumstances and you expect them to perform better that's not going to work so once you start giving them that idea then they start looking why am i getting why am i behaving this way oh that's because i don't have chairs for people to wait so they stand for a long time they get upset they come and shout at me i lose my Uh, cool and i behave the way i behave so once you start instilling this thought they become analytical and initially when we had this early on about 10 years ago when we had this meeting it was all about oh i need a, a better light for me i need a better chair for me go ahead and do we did that once you do that people don't want to be unhappy in their work and unhappiness does not come from a chair or something it comes when a customer deals with them so once you start addressing those things then they start asking oh today was not a good day five people were upset with me why were they upset because we didn't do something right so i think being close but you don't have to be close you let the people who are really close to become those people who will initiate change and you just empower them to do that i think it might surprise people to hear aravind that um the founder dr v was inspired by the customer service of mcdonalds in order to and saw that as the model for uh, what became the Aravind eye care system explain uh, our founder had this fascination towards these fast foods so he would walk into a mcdonalds or a burger king and his observation was wherever you go in the world mcdonalds or 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 organizations like that can create an ecosystem which is very similar their service is similar the product is similar the training is similar so standardization was the way to go transparency was there cleanliness was a value that they really adhered to so he said if we can learn from them how to create what happens within that ecosystem within the four walls of the eye hospital then we can create a wonderful system with de-skilled employee de-skilling as a theme you are able to have school dropouts at mcdonald's serving millions and millions of people their uh, meal so if you can use some of those principles marry it with compassion keep the dignity of the individual so treat them well give the best quality and over a period of time that becomes part of how you do work and that has been a very interesting insight you know and, and, and the lesson that we have learned is you can take something very mundane and you can have a very high aspiration and it's very interesting when you bring these two together what appears to be a tension is a very creative tension what comes out is a, is a phenomenally wonderful opportunity or wonderful result which you cannot expect only if you have the aspiration so it's the balancing act of bringing an aspiration but practical reality of how to do things I love that image of someone walk, walking into McDonald's and saying would you like some compassion with that <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great Sandra, where do you look 
to for inspiration um, uh, about how you might improve the service in your social enterprise? So two spring to mind straight away. One's very local to Soho, the local Italian restaurant. And I've been going there on and off for about 15, 20 years. And you walk in and they can never quite remember my name, but they know it's S something. So I'm Sarah, I'm Sandy, I'm Sarah, whatever, it's fine, it's cool. But the fact that I walk in and every time, it doesn't matter who's there, they, you open the door, you're blustery weather or spoiling weather, you get met with warm faces who instantly see, it doesn't matter whether they're behind the bar or you can see they're about to bring a plate up, give us two seconds, great, we'll get you. And they, they get you to the right place as quick as they possibly can, get you sat down, make sure you've got water without even asking for it. Then they kind of know what you like, so they kind of check, is it the usual or am I getting you a menu? So they really look after you. And these are people sometimes that don't see me for a year at a time. But I walk back in and there's just a recognition I, that I love. Yeah. And the other one is, I know a chap you know very well, um, The Four Seasons. Uh, going there was phenomenal. They didn't know me. It was me the Four from, Seasons Hotel in Hampshire. Yes, thank you. You went to, yeah. And they were, they walked in, have never met me before, but it was like I was a guest returning from uh, a, a long stay away and they couldn't wait to help. And every single person knew where we were going, what we were doing. It was just the attention to that, the, the, the absolute detail, walking you to your room, making sure you looked after, but not... Um, overly aggressive so um, sometimes four-star service five-star can be very like actually i don't need that thank you i can lift up my own coffee cup but it was but truman show sometimes yeah, yeah. Can't <laughs> good morning good afternoon yeah. but it, and it but it felt very genuine and it felt like they were allowed to you were saying that that stepping up they've been given permission to genuinely step up but you knew they had those absolute standardizations underneath them just down pat and it's that I think which is that key to enable the creativity actually um, again my organization some of the people working there are genuinely scared about um, standardization as an idea because they think well that's going to stifle us it's like no 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 that's going to enable you to grow from there so there's a transition there for us as an organization at the start of that chapter on customers in the book, I quote Elizabeth Arden, the you know yes. outstanding successful entrepreneur, who says, "Repetition makes reputation, and reputation makes customers." Thank you for that. Fa those fascinating insights, Dr. Aravind Srinivasan from the Aravind Eye Care System in India, uh, and uh, Sandra Shembri, the Chief Encouragement Officer of the House of Saint Barnabas uh, in Soho in London. Thank you both. You've been listening to a podcast from the series. The Social Entrepreneurs A to Z, hosted by Liam Black and produced by Pioneers Post. To order your copy of the book and for more information, visit pioneerspost.com or subscribe on iTunes.